because I think if we're all honest, we all try in some ways, don't we? There are things going on, circumstances in our lives, situations that God wants to bear fruit in our lives through, and we're, in a way, putting our proverbial foot down, being like, "Mm -mm, no way, Lord, you are not going to do that. And that's why one of the most common ideas in the Bible is the idea of surrender or trust. Many of us know what it's like to be resisting what God is doing. Most people claim to want the truth, unless it makes them uncomfortable. We want to hear words that support our choices, whether or not we're right. Everything about Jesus' ministry bothered the spiritual leaders in Jerusalem. Pastor Daniel will ask us to consider how we try to get in the way of the Lord because we don't want to surrender, and why we would embrace truth. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 52 with part one of his message entitled, The Death of Death. We're doing this series here at Crossroads called, This Just Got Real. When you think about what that means, it means that all of a sudden, because of some event, some happening, all of a sudden everything's different. This just got real. This happened, I heard a story just recently, there was a, a couple who came to Crossroads for the very first time, and they were here, and they were like, watching the worship and worshiping, and they noticed that the bass player had dreadlocks, and they said, man, they'll just let anybody in this place. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, when the, the dreadlock bass player came out to preach the Bible, they thought to themselves, oh no, this just got real. There's moments in time when all of a sudden something happens and everything changes. There's so many examples of this that it's almost hard to pick. I was thinking about the movie, The Lord of the Rings. How many of you guys enjoy a little Tolkien? Yeah, some of you guys are like, I don't know what it's about. Don't worry about it. I'll I'll spoil it for you. (laughs) In, in, In the second movie, The Two Towers, they're hauled up in Helm's Deep, which is a it's, it's a protected cave and they're in there and they're just trying to hold off the evil armies and sure enough it's going bad it's going real bad they're losing the battle and there's this one scene where all of the great warriors are there and they're deciding that they're just going to ride out for glory they're going to die but they're going to go out swinging right and, and it's like this is moment you're just sitting there and you're like oh man this is going really bad and they sure enough they come on out but what they didn't realize and what I had forgotten when I was watching the movies that all of a sudden there's this scene where Gandalf the White shows up on the mountaintop and the sun's coming up and he's got all of the horsemen with him and all of a sudden at that moment it just got real and there's this great ending of the scene there where Gandalf comes down with the horsemen and they just wipe everybody out all these evil dudes see When all of a sudden, in a moment, everything changes, that's a powerful reality. And I'm here to tell you, the empty tomb of Jesus 
changes everything. This is not just, yeah, we just do this every year because that's what we do. No, the fact that that tomb is empty changes everything. Not only for us as individuals, but for who we are and how we live and why we live the way that we live. And so we're going to spend some time this morning reflecting on this reality of what it means that the tomb was empty. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. So Matthew's gospel. If you're new to the Bible, don't worry about it. I'll get you there. About the first two-thirds of your Bible is what we call the Old Testament. Then you have the New Testament. There's four gospels. The first one is called the gospel of Matthew. So chapter 27, I don't have to give you the, the details of that, but just in case, that goes between 26 and 28. Matthew 27, we're going to be picking up in verse 62. Now, if you come to church, normally you'll hear the beginning of Matthew 28 as the text for Easter. We're going to talk about that today, but I wanted to give you some context around it. And I think the context is important because if you think, if you take a text out of its context, what do you have left? A con, that's good, right? Context. You take a text out of context and you have a con left. And I realize, as I know you do, that people have used the Bible to prove and disprove pretty much everything since we've had a printed version of it. Every good, bad, and indifferent thing someone has a Bible verse for. But the key is to always look at the scriptures in context that helps frame what is actually being said and what it means. So we pick up in verse 62 of Matthew 27. Look at what it says. It says, On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now, verse 62 begins with a a time stamp. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation. See, all of that ties us back to the Good Friday story. At this point, Jesus had been arrested and he had been tried in a kangaroo court in the middle of the night and found to be guilty of sedition and blasphemy. He was brought to Pilate hastily. For again, a kangaroo court and Pilate was concerned and history will tell you that Pontius Pilate was in a lot of trouble because he was having a hard time keeping Israel of that day a peaceful place. There was all these issues and he didn't want this thing with Jesus to be a further issue. So he condemned Jesus to death and Jesus was killed. Now it's the next day. It's the next day. And what's interesting is we find that the chief priests... And the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate and they said, we remember when he was still alive how this deceiver said, after three days I will rise. Therefore, command the tomb 
to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples come and take him away see Jesus and the Pharisees and the chief priests they had issues they did not they're like the Democrats and the Republicans today they just don't get along Jesus was offensive to the chief priests and Pharisees because he undermined their authority he was subversive to their power and to use a modern phrase they just thought Jesus was a royal pain in the butt everything about his ministry bothered them the fact that the tax collectors who were unliked the harlots who were immoral the common people who were uneducated all flocked to Jesus and Jesus by having normal people enjoying his ministry really bothered the really religious people they were blemishes to them I so said they were tired of Jesus they wanted they wanted this whole Jesus thing to be over but then they remembered when he was still alive he said he was going to be resurrected from the grave so we need to make sure we need to make sure that Jesus stays in that tomb we need to make sure so they go to Pilate it's interesting the Jewish people were not allowed to use their own military they had been under Roman rule for a number of decades at this point so they had to go ask for permission and so they go to Pilate and they say listen can you secure the tomb we don't want his disciples coming stealing them now what does this mean for us see what this is teaching us is that you can't stop the work of God you can't stop the work of God the chief priests and the Pharisees they wanted to stop Jesus from being resurrected from the grave and they figured we're going to make a plan we're going to execute a plan and there's absolutely no way no way that this is going to continue I think it's important that we remember that we can't stop the work of God because I think if we're all honest we all try in some ways don't we there are things going on, circumstances in our lives, situations that God wants to bear fruit in our lives through, and we're, in a way, putting our proverbial foot down, being like, mm -mm, no way, Lord, you are not going to do that. And that's why one of the most common ideas in the Bible is the idea of surrender or trust. Many of us know what it's like to be resisting what God is doing just like the Pharisees and the chief priests we say God this is unacceptable in my plans and for the Pharisees and the chief priests Jesus was unacceptable to their plans so they were trying every which way to stop what God was doing notice what they say at the end of verse 65 he says so that the last deception will be worse than the first see they're saying to Pilate listen the first deception that Jesus told people was that he was the Messiah we don't believe he's the Messiah and that's bad but you know what will be worse if his disciples come and say he's resurrected from the grave that would be a huge problem for us so can you take this take care of this for us Pilate and notice what Pilate says you have a guard go your way make it as secure as you know how so they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. See, Pilate says, listen, you guys have temple guard. You have my permission to use your guards 
and secure the area as best as you know how. And I don't think it's by chance that this is the precursor to what happens next because in verse 66 it says, they went, they made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now, in this verse we realize that that tomb, there was three obstacles to Jesus being resurrected. First, there was a stone rolled in front of the door. Now, unlike today, where maybe if somebody has a, a burial in a graveyard where there's a hole dug and they're put in that way, or if they're cremated and there's a mausoleum, this was a cave that had a huge rock in front of the door. Okay? So there's a physical barrier, a physical obstacle, this huge rock to the resurrection of Jesus. Not only that, they sealed it. And the idea of sealing was, this was a political authority of Pilate saying, this is all right that we seal this tomb. So the politics of the day said, Jesus ain't coming out of that tomb. And then, of course, there's the guard set. Not only is there a physical obstacle and a political obstacle, but now there's a good old-fashioned personal obstacle. There are guards there. And this is the setup for Resurrection Sunday. They're trying to stop what God is doing, the work of God. And look at what happens next in verse 1 of Matthew 28. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him because, and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. This is that classic resurrection account. The simplest way to say it is, He is risen. And when, when a pastor says he is risen, what does everyone say? He is, risen. he is risen indeed. He is risen. Although there's all these obstacles, there's this big stone. There's the seal of Pilate. The guards are there. Ain't nothing going to stop what God's doing. Ain't nothing stops that. It says, after the Sabbath on the first day of the week began at dawn. Now think about this. Now the Jewish Sabbath is from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And in that day, after sundown on Saturday, you didn't really do anything. So now this is Sunday morning at dawn. We have Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. They are coming to see the tomb. It's interesting that another one of the gospel writers tells us that they had brought anointing spices. See, they weren't coming to see a resurrected Savior. They were coming to anoint the body of a dead one. They didn't realize that Joseph of Arimathea had tried to take care of it, hastily, properly burying Jesus. So these women, they're not coming to see a risen Savior. They're coming to anoint the body of a dead one. And they show on up. But in verse 2, this sure just got real. There was an earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on top of it. 
How many of you have ever been in an earthquake? It's kind of scary, right? I remember we lived in the Bay Area. All of a sudden, the house would start to shake, and you get frozen, like, oh, no. That happens, but not only that, now there's an angel there. And the angel comes down. He just rolls the door away. His face is like lightning, and what does he do? He sits down on top of it. You got to love the angel. That's like the swag of the angel. He's just like, boom, yeah. You don't ever think about the angel having swag, but they do. He just like plops down. Check out what I just did. And rightfully so, the guards shook for fear and they became like dead men. They got frozen. If you saw an angel and an earthquake and that angel plops down on top of the stone, you're going to be freaked out too. Right? I mean, try and put yourself there. An earthquake is scary enough. Then an angel comes down and all of a sudden moves the door and then sits down like he's hanging out. That would be quite disconcerting, wouldn't it? That'd be a shocking moment. But notice what the angel says to the women. He says, don't be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. See, Jesus told people he was going to be resurrected from the grave. He told it. Now, I realize today, Easter Sunday, 2014, there's a lot of people who are like, you know what? Like, I just don't believe that Jesus was resurrected from the grave. And you know what? I have real reasons not to believe in the resurrection. Because, I mean, who can really believe that Jesus was dead and he came back to life again? Now, and I realized that, that's a legitimate argument. I, I held the argument. I didn't grow up in church, so it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I've always believed that Jesus rose from the grave. But if you actually sit down and think about the critique or the objection, how many of you like to watch crime dramas? Yeah? How many of you guys like that TV show, former ER? You guys remember that? Every time you see a scene in the emergency room, you always end up seeing there's a moment when somebody flatlines where all of a sudden their heart stops beating and the music starts and all of a sudden you see that flat line. And then what do they do? Then the people in the emergency room, they move into action. They go grab that thing, the IED, the automatic electronic defibrillator. You don't realize how much I practice saying defibrillator. It's a scary thing to say defibrillator in front of thousands of people. That's like public speaking nightmare. So I'm just proud of myself. Because you know what happens? All of a sudden, somebody's heart stops and they're clear and they put those things down and they try and shock the heart to start again. Now, do you guys believe in an AED? You believe those things would work? Yeah. You know, we have one of those things in our family room. Don't play with it. Unless you need it. I was also told, and I haven't verified this, but if you actually try and do it on somebody who's alive, they actually die. So don't touch it. We all believe in an AED. It's the same thing. If mankind could figure out how to bring somebody back to life whose heart stopped beating, you don't think God knew how to do it first? See, think about all of our objections to the things that it says in the Bible. I was talking to someone recently. How can you believe in the virgin birth? I'm like, easy. It's called in vitro fertilization. You can take an egg out of a woman, you can take some spermies, you put them in a little test tube, not, not don't do it, but doctors can do it, and you just, I said spermies in church, sorry. 
Sorry, parents. <laughs> That's why we have kids' church. <laughs> but you can put that back in a woman who's never known a man and she can have a baby. And if humanity can figure out how to do that, don't you don't think God who created humanity can figure it out first? See, Amen. Resuscitation back to life is normal. Now, don't get me wrong, though. Jesus is unique, though. Because everybody who gets resuscitated back to life, at some point they die again, except for Jesus. And if you don't believe me, you're going to come back next Sunday and then the following Sunday, we're going to look at Jesus' bodily ascension to heaven. Now, I'm here to tell you, if you want to have issues with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ascension is a lot better place to have an issue than the resurrection. And I tell you that because for those of you who are skeptics, I want you to come back in two weeks and we'll explain that to you too. And I, I don't knock being a skeptic. I was a skeptic my whole life. Even still, I believe in Jesus and I still struggle sometimes. Like, Lord, does your word really mean that? How do we really deal with that? What is it all about? But the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the grave should not be an intellectual hurdle. Why? Because it happens all the time. Humans figured out how to do it. God knew first. And I want you to make sure that we all realize that Christianity would have never gotten off the ground 2,000 years ago if they ever just produced the body. When all this stuff starts going on, he's resurrected from the grave. All they had to do is be like, no, no, his body right here. Here, look, here he is. And this thing would have never gotten anywhere. But they weren't able to produce the body. Why? Because he wasn't there. The stone was removed. He was risen, just like he said. Just like he said. Now, what happens next is kind of exciting. Because notice what they say. In the middle of verse 6, the angel says to Mary and the other Mary, come see the place where the Lord lay. And then in verse 7, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So listen. The tomb is empty. First the angel and then Jesus. First he says, Come and see. And then he says, Go and tell And I think this is an important reality for us that all of us need to come and see and then we need to go and tell. Now, I'm going to explain to you why this is important. Now, I realize as a pastor that for many people and many of you here today, you only come to church on Easter and Christmas. Jesus is We heard in this message how the guards tried to seal Jesus' tomb so that his disciples couldn't retrieve him. Pastor Daniel reminded us how we all have a tendency to get in the way of the Lord. When his plan conflicts with ours, we want to circumvent it, but he will always prevail. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide. 
and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here of Jesus is Real Radio. I got some special news. I'm so stoked. My new book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available on pre-order right now. You might say, why'd you write the book, Daniel? Well, simply because this, life is messy, but Jesus is real. And we need to talk honestly about both sides of that coin. So get the book now. It's available on pre-order at honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold. I can't wait for you to read it. God bless you. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will take us through the moment when the tomb is found empty. Jesus has risen. When he appears to the disciples, they're afraid. And as Pastor Daniel will teach, we're no strangers to fear. We need to trust him. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue in this series entitled, This Just Got Real, next time. 